do that very thing. That will be uh, our focus this morning. I will take just a moment to say I respect this man. You all know that Lonnie's a fine pastor. and uh, we are, He'd be the first one to say we are here to extol the Lord today. Uh, not him, but I respect him. I, I've known him since he came to my hometown, Roanoke, Virginia, circa 1982. So that's going on 40 years. And I remember sitting in his office one-on-one and him uh, coaching me, counseling me, educating me uh, in the doctrines of grace, particularly that that meeting was about the perseverance of the saints, and uh, it's, it's never left me. And we got more reacquainted uh, in Highlands Presbytery. Um, anyway, he's a fine man, a fine pastor, but it's only because of the grace of God in his life, and he would be the first to acknowledge that. So, uh, we're going to talk about four trees today. The first tree that I want to tell you about is a tangelo tree. I had in, uh, we, we had in our backyard in Orlando, Florida. My family lived in Orlando for five years while I was working with crew, Campus Crusade for Christ. I was going to seminary at a pretty good clip at uh, RTS Orlando. We were growing our little family, having our children. And uh, in the backyard of this, this simple little house, uh, we had a tangelo tree. Tangelo is kind of a cross between a tangerine and an orange, so they're bigger than, you know, those those cuties that you buy around Christmas time in the grocery store. But uh, the the real treat for us is we could go out in our backyard between January to about April, and we could just take one right off the tree, peel it right there in the backyard. It was the sweetest, juiciest thing you ever had. And, of course, everybody came to live. We got real popular when we lived in Orlando, by the way. Um, you know, everybody likes to come down there, see the mouse or the whale or whatever it is. And, and, and so we'd take our, our friends or family in the backyard, if it was the right time of the year, and, and, and share a tangelo with them. And that was a beautiful thing that we got to do today. So that's our, our first tangelo, uh, our first tree to keep in mind today. And the second one we're going to read about in the Scriptures. We are in Zechariah. Uh, chapter 3 today, uh, Zechariah was a prophet of God, uh, and he talks about ministry uh, of Joshua, a high priest, not the man who was Moses' successor long before, but Joshua, the high priest, helping the people of God return from exile. And Joshua and Zerubbabel, two key leaders, if you were to read Zechariah chapter 4, you'd read about Zerubbabel. He was the governor, and his interest was in restoring the temple. And Joshua was the high priest, the restoration of the priesthood. And and books like Ezra and Nehemiah tell us about how they uh, restored the word of God, and they rebuilt the wall of the city and all that. So it's circa 6th century B.C., and Zechariah's prophecy is of this high priest who himself is a man in need and also a representative of the people of God. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel 
said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to those who are, uh, I'm sorry, and to him he said, behold, I've taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Verse 6, and the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you. For they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant, the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, your mercies are new every morning, and this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We know that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from your mouth. And so we pray now, Holy Spirit, that you will do your work as only you can do, illumining the the spiritual eyes of our hearts and applying your word to each one of our lives so that we can worship you and glorify and honor you so that we can walk with you. And we pray to that end for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, fig tree fellowship. So the first tree was a tangelo tree. Second tree, we've got a a fig tree. That's the the figure here that is spoken of. Um, And it is also talked about in Isaiah chapter 2 and in, let's see, what's my other prophet, Jenna? Micah. Micah chapter 4, we have this picture of a fig tree, which is, to, to the Jewish people, it meant shalom, it meant rest and peace had come to the land so that people can sit outside, not, not inside huddled with doors and uh, gates barred and everything, but they could be outside under their vine and fig tree. And so letter A in your outline is about the need for cleansing. See, Zechariah has this series of kind of strange night visions, and this is maybe the heart of the book right here. And the angel of the Lord shows up. Is it an angel or the angel? Well, it may be a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Other, uh, in, in any case, it represents the Lord standing there and ministering. And Zechariah the prophet speaks about this high priest, Joshua. As I said, he's an individual. Uh, Think about it. These folks were contemporaries of Ezra and Zerubbabel and also the prophet Haggai. And and he's described here a high priest wearing clothing that's filthy. To to the, the Jewish people, what the priests wore was very important. They were to ritually cleanse themselves and approach God very cautiously and carefully. 
and go into the Holy of Holies, of course, as you may know, only once a year, only the high priest, only with blood. And here we have a priest standing, but he's filthy. It says twice in our passage, he is soiled. And the original language actually connotes it's, it's human waste to be indelicate. It's, it's excrement. And so it's not just dirty clothing from playing outside. He's filthy. And so what the accuser says about him is correct. Your first bullet point, arrow item, under letter A, the need for cleansing. What the accuser says is correct. The accuser is a prosecuting attorney in this case. And the thing for us to grasp here is that what he says about the priest is true. It's accurate. He's not off base. He's not just making stuff up out of left field. It's quite true. The accuser of the brethren, the father of lies, our adversary, is saying, this man has no business to stand ministering before you, Lord. Look at him. And he's right. But the Lord rebukes Satan twice in this passage. Why? Because the Lord chooses to save some. He chooses to save some in in his electing love, according to, as Ephesians 1 puts it, the kind intention of his will. He saves some. And that's the hope. He elects to select even filthy firebrands. He gathers glowing embers, plucking and snatching them out of the fire. Thought is mentioned elsewhere in the Old Testament and also in the New, in Jude, that little one-chapter book right before Revelation. Um, Jude chapter 1 is listed for you there as a cross-reference. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. A brand snatched out of the fire. It was one of the Wesley brothers. Um, The pastor here would probably know better than me. I think it was John who was burned in a house fire as a lad. And so for the rest of his life and then his ministry, he considered himself a brand plucked out of the fire. The truth is that's true of all of us who know Jesus Christ. Because every one of us, the the most moral, the kindest by nature, the most sweet-tempered person that you might know, every one of us deserves eternal separation from God, away from God and all that is good and judgment in the unquenchable fire. But God reaches into that fire and he saves some. He snatches them out. And that's the picture that we have here in Zechariah. And then he's clothed with righteousness, pure vestments, clothed with righteousness, your third bullet point under letter A. The angel of the Lord is standing by, not impassively, not not doing nothing, he's approving of what is what has transpired here. That the iniquity, verse four, has been taken away. See, this this flies in the face on this with what people say today, doesn't it? Remember what the accuser said about Joshua the high priest was correct. 
It was spot on. He really did have no business standing and ministering before a pure, holy, and righteous God who is lofty and exalted on high, set apart and undefiled in the heavens. It's true. And, and, and you know, in the world today, people minimize this, don't they? We, you know, well, not that bad. You know, I'm not as bad as, well, you know, okay, I, you know, I've done this and that and the other, but you know, I'm no Charles Manson. I, I'm no Adolf Hitler. That's the wrong standard of comparison. And I think it creeps even into the church. It seeps even into the church. Here when the passage speaks in verse 4 of iniquity being taken away, sometimes we tell each other, well, well you're fine just as you are. You're, you're good. You, you just be the best version of yourself you can be. You just go live your truth, look inside, follow your heart, follow your gut, do whatever you want. You're fine just as you are is what the world says and sometimes what the church says. And the Word of God says, no, you're not. No, you're not. You need to be cleansed. So in Roanoke, um, not quite where you all live, but the next neighborhood over is called something like Sherwood Forest or something like that, up up where the Harolds lived, a little bit back in there. Um, My family lived on Sigmund Road. And... uh, my brother-in-law lived with us for one or two summers and uh, because his family had relocated to Maine. And so he lived with us, and he found summer job. He was a college student, run out college, and he found summer work as a sanitation engineer. You know what that is. That's, that's a garbage man. A guy who rides on the back of the truck. Now, I figured that would probably be fun for about 20 minutes and then probably get old. Because it's stinky. You know that smell when the garbage truck comes in the heat of summer and comes down your street and slops the garbage stuff right out front where you, where you check your mail or where you got your basketball goal set up and it slops some of that slop there? That's what Bo smelled. His name is Bo, my brother-in-law. That's what Bo smelled like when he got home from work every day. And so when he got home from work, we did not minimize that. We did not play that down. We didn't say, come on in here to the family room. Have some iced tea or some lemonade. Put your feet up. You've had a long day. Come on. No. No. He was not allowed to come in the front door, folks. He had to do the walk of shame down the, down the driveway, around back, to into the garage. And in our, our little door into the basement, we had a half-finished basement. And the unfinished part was our, our washer and dryer, and next to it we had uh, the original owners. There was a shower stall. So we didn't invite him in the front door. He had every day to come around back, strip off his clothes in the garage, put him in the washer, and himself get in the shower so he could be clean. And once he was cleansed, he put on fresh, clean clothes. Then he could come upstairs, and he was fit to sit with Pleasant and polite company, such as we were. And that's the picture that we have here. So the angel of the Lord is standing by, presiding approvingly. This, this is in the, the tribunal of God, the throne room of God. And we have New Testament resonance also in, I, I did not jot this one down for you, but 1 John chapter 2. You could just listen or 
or go there if you want. First John chapter 2, the first three verses is also about sort of the tribunal of God. It says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. That's plan A, don't sin. Plan B is in the next breath. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the, for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Plan A, don't sin. Plan B, if you do sin, which we all do, handle it right. And, and, and so the accuser, who is the prosecuting attorney in this case, in the tribunal, the, the, the court of the Lord, is saying, this guy, can't, he's got no business, look at him. He's filthy. He himself personally. And he's a representative, a federal head of your people, God. You don't want them. They have no business. And the Lord knows that this is true and this is right. And he rebukes Satan and says, I have chosen to save some. Praise the Lord for his mercy. Thank God that he saved some. And, and, and our advocate is greater than our adversary. The adversary is correct. His claims about the priest were right. But our advocate is greater than our adversary. And so from filthy garments to festal robes, even Zechariah the prophet, I don't know if you caught it when I read, he injects himself into the narrative. He's seeing this vision about the high priest and, and, and about the angel of the Lord and, and the accuser and all this going on. But he, inject, he, he, he gets into it. They start bringing on the clean clothes. He says, hey, get him a new hat too. And in a later vision, in uh, chapter 6, a crown is set on the priest's head. So chapter 4, he gets a, a, a turban and clean vestments for a priest. In chapter 5, Zerubbabel, the, the governor representing the, the line of David, kingship, is, is talked about. In chapter 6, the priest king named Joshua has a crown set on his head, which is it points us to the, the one person who is the perfect prophet, priest, and king, three in one, King Jesus. Letter B in your outline. A prophecy of fruitfulness. Um, I've got three points here for you. They all begin with the letter I. Uh, the identity of the branch, we'll look at all these briefly. The identity of the branch, iniquity removed. And so invite your neighbor. The identity of the branch. In fact, the, the branch is, well, it's Messiah. It's Messiah. And he's describing this passage in three ways. My servant, the branch. My servant, of course, we would go to Isaiah chapter 53, right? The suffering servant. The branch. What is a branch? Uh, uh, Dale Ralph Davis has a commentary on Isaiah called Stump Kingdom. And it's because the, the kingdom of God can't walk through all the history of Israel, but, but it was cut down because of their unfaithfulness, because they, they failed to heed the word of God. They failed to heed the prophets. They, they failed to, to worship the Lord and him only. 
they would pay lip service to the Lord while they, they did syncretism, mixing religions. People do that today, right? Design a religion. A little Kabbalah and a little Jewish mysticism and a little Christianity and I'll go to the fortune teller and read, get my, read my horoscope just for fun and no. We must serve the Lord and Him only. The identity of the branch, He is the servant, the suffering servant. He is the branch, a shoot, a stem, a sprout, rising up out of nothing, rising up out of this stump. He was mentioned in numerous places in the prophets, in Isaiah and Jeremiah particularly. In Isaiah chapters 4 and 11, He's spoken of as a branch who will bear fruit. In Jeremiah 33 and also 23, he is spoken of for his righteousness. Just listen to these words from Jeremiah uh, 23, verses 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Tzid Kenu. He is a righteous judge, a righteous king, a fruitful king, a fruitful branch. That's his identity. And then iniquity will be removed. Iniquity is mentioned a couple of times in, in Zechariah chapter 3. Uh, you know what iniquity is. In short, it's sin. It's sin and guilt, which the New Testament declares to us, so does the Old, that it must be punished, right? The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Iniquity removed. Oh, oh I failed to give you the third way the branch is, the identity of the branch is given in our chapter. It's called my servant called the branch, and then he's called a stone there, a stone with seven eyes, kind of a weird figure in this strange night vision that Zechariah the prophet has, but a stone with seven eyes. Commentators are mixed on what they make of that. Seven, number of perfection, represents God. The eyes, um, God is all-seeing, all-knowing, his omniscience, I would say in short. But more importantly, iniquity is removed, and not just that, it happens in a single day. In a single day. Of course, we have foreshadowing of that in the Old Testament, adumbrations of that in the Passover, in the annual Day of Atonement. But ultimately, what is that day that iniquity is taken away all at once? It's the day that Christ died. It's, a day, it's the day that the God-man went to a tree. Here's our third tree. Cursed is he who is hanged on a tree, says the Old Testament. And the New Testament explains to us that Jesus became a curse for you and for me. The adversary, the accuser, is right about the priest. Cleansing's got to come. It's got to come somehow. How will it come? It comes by the free and gracious choice of our God through his unconditional election. He chooses to save some, and it comes through the precious blood of the cross, of his servant, the righteous branch, this stone 
this cornerstone, a stone of stumbling stone, uh, stone of stumbling to some, but others fall on him and are broken, broken in their sin, and recognize that he alone is the one that can remove iniquity in a single day. And as a result of this, we rejoice. We rejoice in our cleansing and our forgiveness of sins and our freedom. And we invite our neighbor, verse, verse 10, your third bullet point. We've talked about the identity of the branch, iniquity removed. Now invite your neighbor. Call them. Summon them to a feast. And this figure of sitting beneath the vine and fig tree, it's an end of violence. It's an establishment of community. End of violence, right? The, the, uh, the, the swords are, are beaten and, and you make garden implements, farming tools out of it instead. So there will come a day that God's shalom, his peace will reign and community will be established. Invite your neighbor. That's part of the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In short, who does Jesus say our neighbor is? Anyone that he brings into our lives. Anyone that he brings across our path. Not just the folks who live right next door to you. But where Zechariah goes one smidge beyond Isaiah 2, Beyond Micah 3, which also talk about this day of every man sitting neath his vine and fig tree, Zechariah goes just a little bit farther and says everyone will invite their neighbor over to come. Here's your fourth tree today. In our backyard in Roanoke, we moved into that house in 1973. And uh, other than I can't remember if the ice storm came while y'all were there, if it had already come, but we had some fruit trees in our backyard. We had an apple tree cherry tree, and we had a plum tree. And the plum tree, one year, it bore so much fruit, the branches, it was a sizable tree. I'd say the tree was probably 25-ish feet tall. And uh, the branches were laden to the ground. They were so heavy with fruit. And so we had all these white, I guess we had a lot of ice cream. We had the white plastic buckets, you know, with a wire handle, you know, that guy. And fill them up with plums, and my mom would say, go over to the Calmy's house, go over to them, go over to them, bring them. And I was just a kid, and I'd ring the doorbell, and the neighbor would come to the door, and I'd go, here! And they'd say, what's that? And say, it's plums. Well, what does it look like? You know, it's plum. Well, that was good. We are sharing our abundance of fruit. But the picture in Zechariah is, is better still. It's not just here. It, 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 it's come. Come and meet. Come and fellowship. Come and see. Come and I will share with you. Old Testament expert Joyce Baldwin says that while every man would have a place to call his own, his joy would be to share it with others. And loneliness would be a thing of the past. Friends, it's been said um, that we're in a loneliness epidemic. And that was before the pandemic. And we're more connected, you know, uh, my daughter's looking at the scriptures on her phone. <laughs> She's got it in her hand. What do they say? More power in her hand than the astronauts who went to the moon did in the, their vehicle. More connected than ever, and yet more fragmented, more lonely than ever. 
Here's a picture of fig tree fellowship. Fig tree fellowship, inviting people, uh, hospitality. I, I'd urge you to read a book. Now, it's, it's more hospitality. My wife might have the gift of hospitality. And this book goes beyond what we can do. You might have heard of it or read it. Rosaria Butterfield, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Jot it down. Read that one. It's radical hospitality. It's constant neighborhood hospitality. It's beyond what my wife and I can do. I'll tell you the truth. But it'll push you. It'll get you thinking about true biblical fellowship. This is the sort of thing that I've expressed here is fig tree fellowship. And you know what? You don't want to have people in your home? Well, do fire pit fellowship. Do it outside. Get you a fire pit. Get you some marshmallows. Have some s'mores. And, and, and when you do it, don't just do it just for you and your buddy. Go and invite your neighbors. That's something that we've been trying to do in our neighborhood or participate in in our neighborhood. We live on a little crescent-shaped street. There's six of us. We all moved in roughly the same time. So it's not like somebody was there forever. You know, we're, we're all starting new, starting from scratch. And we get together in the front, down at the end of the driveway, roasted marshmallows, in the backyard for a pool party. I've never been in any other homes. But we're building relationships. Think about the New New Testament, the love feast. Lonnie's going to bring us to table in short order here. And and we'll have communion, co-union with the Lord and with one another. I don't know how y'all do it here, but I kind of feel like we ought to go around giving five. No, that would be frowned upon. Sanitizer, whatever. Invite your neighbor. But another excellent book, Practicing the King's Economy, one of the pastors there says, but you can't invite your friends to join you under vines and fig trees you ain't got. Well, I don't have a tangelo tree anymore, sadly. I don't have a plum tree. I don't have a fig tree. But I can participate in getting to know my neighbors, and the people God's placed in my life. Well, we need to hasten to a close here. New Testament resonance. We find some in John chapter 1. There's another story over in Luke. Jesus' experience with fig trees. And I will read kind of briskly from John chapter 1. Perhaps a familiar story. This is where Jesus is calling the disciples, right? Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, And before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I have said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you'll see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What was Nathaniel doing under the fig tree? 
Nobody knows, right? The scripture text doesn't make it clear. So it's speculation. It's conjecture a little bit. I'm not playing fast and loose with the text, but we know he wasn't doing something bad because Jesus calls him a man in whom there is no deceit. No, I think the King James renders it guile. No deceit, no guile. So there's no crooked conniving going on under the fig tree. What is going on? I think he was spending time with the Lord. I can't absolutely prove that, but I believe he was spending time with the Lord. Uh, Meditating on the scriptures, uh, praying, pouring his heart out before the Lord. Why? Because his his attitude, his posture towards Jesus completely changed, right? It did a, a, a 180. Uh, he, he went from skepticism, Nazareth, Nazareth was a backwater place. Can anything good come out of there? And then all Jesus says, when you're under the fig tree, I saw you. And the light bulb goes on. Something clicked in Nathaniel, and he worships. He knows the identity now of Messiah. It's true, it's true, Messiah is here. You are the unique Son of God. You are the King of Israel, the promised Messiah, the Christ, the anointed King, even He who is coming into this world. What makes that change? He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He calls Himself in the passage, that's Jesus' favorite title for Himself the apocalyptic figure of Daniel chapter 7. And then he mentions the stairway to heaven, not the Led Zeppelin song. But, uh, you know, from the Old Testament, from Genesis 28, Jacob's dream, that there's a way, there's a... How can a holy, pure, undefiled God, who is lofty and exalted, set apart, have due with filthy sinners like Joshua and Zechariah, and Lonnie, and Tom, and you. There's a way. There's a mediator. His name is Jesus. And we must worship him because of that that tree that he went to. That he became obedient even unto death for you and for me. Let's pray. Lord, let us believe your gospel. Would you do a work in in our hearts and lives um, so that we are so consumed with zeal for Christ and we so dearly prize and value your word, Lord, that we read it, we study it, we meditate upon it, we hide it in our hearts. But we don't worship it. We worship you, the God of the Bible. You are the living God. And we recognize in our wretchedness and sin that we need a Savior. Thanks be to God that you have sent once for all time the righteous one who lived and who died and who rose for us. We glory in his life, the power of an indestructible life. And cause us to enjoy our connection with you so much, Lord, that we can't help but share it with others. We pray in Jesus' name.